Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. They have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And, and the Bernabeu blinks it back! I haven't got a problem with soccer, to be fair. Football. Oh, what a start! What I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. Welcome out to Champions. Use your friends, drop in your comments and questions in the chat and make sure you smash the like and subscribe buttons as we review the action from today's World Cup with the round 16 well and truly underway in the House of Champions today. We have, of course, Jonathan Johnson, Nigel Rio Coker, and Luis Garcia back with us. Let's start with the English, shall we? The most English man in the chat right now. Luis Garcia, how are you doing? What did you think yeah. of England today? So many lads. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all good, guys. All good. Uh, very easy. I think that uh, we all had kind of uh, predicted what is happening at the moment. So I'm looking forward to see what this World Cup brings us because we enjoy so, so much until now. And I don't want the games to be so easy like we've seen in the last couple of days. JJ, what's up, man? How you doing? England won. They made it look pretty easy today. You must be happy. Yeah, they did. I'm quite satisfied on both fronts, obviously, France and then England. Uh, to be honest, England won... Bit more, a bit more easily than I expected them to. But uh, France, I was bang on with the with the score, so I was quite happy with that late uh, Lewandowski penalty. Nigel, you were cooking your knob. You were very active in the group <laughs> chat, Nigel Rio Coker. You seemed like you enjoyed that performance, but maybe you were expecting. Well, more to be honest, Nigel and, I have, Nigel and I have got to inject some life into that chat now because after the USMNT went out, everyone's been sulking. It's pretty. It's a pretty bleak place to be this weekend. Deep down, right. we know, JJ, that Ian and, and uh, Michael are deeply hurting right now because of US's performance. And when, it, when we talk about the difference of footballers and soccer players, you can clearly see there. But, you know, listen, I've always been very honest from the start. I wasn't super over the moon with England's performance against Iran. High score line, but I said, yep, this tool is not a test. Like I said, and like Lucho probably grew up as well, and you, Ian, as well, we test yourselves against the best. England got the job done. This is the real test for England. This is where you can really see where England are at now when they play France, because that is the level that England want to be seen at. And this is what the, we've all been waiting for. And this is where we can see where England are now in the pyramid of football. 
I feel like every time we do these intro questions, I should just miss you out, Nigel, because every time you're going for a record answer, it's like a five-minute answer coming from you. Let me get into it. England got the victory, three goals to nil against Senegal, thanks to Jordan Henderson. Harry Kane scoring his first with his first shot on target at the World Cup, and Bukayo Sako scoring to make it three goals to nil. Um, Harry Kane now has scored 11 goals at major tournaments for England, seven World Cup, four Euros, overtaking Gary Lineker with 10 as the three Lions all-time top goal scorer in such competitions he is also chasing that historic number as England's leading goal scorer now only one away let's get into the game England uh, took a moment to get going JJ but they did get going what impressed you most about the three lines in that performance yeah, they did take uh, time to get going, but I think what impressed me most was when they did finally hit their stride. They didn't stop, uh, you know, they didn't, they weren't satisfied with just getting the one goal. Actually, my prediction for that was them was England grinding out a one goal win. So to see them, you know, uh, score two fairly quick fire goals and then add the third, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, that that was quite satisfying to see because we don't always see an England side that you know tries to go for the jugular once they've already scored. Uh, you know, so I, I was quite happy to see, you know, Southgate take the leash off of his players uh, to some degree. Yeah, I mean, for me, JJ, I don't think it was too much of a impressive performance. I give credit to Senegal. Senegal started very well. Tactically, I thought their setup was great. And this is when we talk about football intelligence and having a footballing brain. When you come up across a team like that, you have to find a way. The best teams in the world, the top teams, find a way to win. Senegal made it very difficult. They stopped Declan Rice getting on the ball. They were happy for the two centre-backs to have the ball. But eventually, through great bit of play, where they finally played brave, played forward, great little one-touch play, executed per uh, perfectly, they got the goal. But before that, again, we talk about other aspects of the game. Senegal probably had a great chance where they should have been 1-0 up. And we know how goals change game. Because as soon as England got that goal, the momentum and the belief seemed to drain away from Senegal and all the momentum was in favour of England. So there's so many things that happen in that whole combination, but it all comes down to football intelligence. England found a way, and I would have to say, in my opinion, the inclusion of Jordan Henderson was a big decision by Gareth Southgate because many people would not have included him. And I'm speaking from a perspective of, you know, captain in many teams. I know what real good leaders and good captains bring to a team. That experience that he has was priceless in that midfield area to keep England focused, to keep the energy levels up, to keep the manager's message still on the pitch without the manager being there. And I think today his performance was fantastic. Yes, it was, Nigel. And um, I wanted to start uh, with that. I think that we have to give a little bit of credit to Gareth Southgate, <clears throat> excuse me, because today I think they found a way of being dangerous starting from the middle, uh, bringing Bellingham and Henderson in the middle of the park and allowing Rice to stick back with the defense that he was today very solid, no many problems at the back. Yes, maybe in the first half, but those ch two chances that the Senegal have, after that, scoring the first goal, it was like they gave up. And then you could control everything, every single phase of the game. And I enjoy very much just watching the, the young lads. Bellingham, for me, is one a, such an amazing player. He's everywhere. He's in the right time. He's, he knows what to do. He's always getting the, the right decision. And he's just missing to arrive and scoring a goal. But today, it was very impressive. After, we are going to talk about, of course, Foden, Saka, wide open, trying to make the, 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 the game big and allowing this Henderson and Bellingham to arrive in second line. So I was very, very impressed with the, the performance today. I think because they were solid. 
I'm not, I don't want to take any credit from the English side, but I think the Senegal, I was expecting a lot more from Senegal. And second half, even with the three changes that they made at halftime, there was no, um, uh, nothing to have changed at all. The game didn't uh, move to, to their side. They didn't press they just for a few minutes, uh, trying to get something. And in the second half, I think there was only one corner and not even one shot on target. So mm-hmm. that's the way that this Senegal is going to end up this uh, World Cup. And I'm a little bit disappointed with that. After, again, I think the England today was very solid, very convincing and moving forward. Just a quick one, Ian. I see Rafford Elvi's comment. Uh, yeah, Pickford's save is not football in IQ, but it's called talent. That's what that save was, talent. Big goalkeepers, top goalkeepers in the world, make vital saves at the right time to change the dynamic of the game. That's not football IQ, that's talent. Football IQ is the intelligence of being able to break a team down, find a way to get a goal. That is what I say when it's football IQ, Rafa. For me, Lucha, I'm a big fan of Jude Bellingham. I'm probably not as much as a lover boy of him as Ian. No, that's a lie. He's a top-class talent. But do you think his career right now, where he's at, he'll be better suited to going to play in La Liga or the Premier League? And the only reason I'm asking you this is because I've seen this with Jordan Sancho when he left Borussia Dortmund, went to Manchester United, and people like JJ and James in the press who destroy these young lads. (laughs) I don't want to see that happen to Jude. I think for me, with Jude's age right now, and I know there's been interest from Real Madrid, I would love to see him go to Real Madrid and this young generation of players that they're gathering there. And I think for the long term, his career will be better suited playing outside of England, learning a complete different aspect and style of football with different players than going into England and becoming very British. What do you think? No, definitely it will be an amazing ad. And I don't want to see that. I don't want to see Real Madrid getting Valverde in one side, Suamen in the middle and Bellingham in the left side. I mean, what an amazing midfield. Oh, hungry, uh, fitness, technically and much more than that, uh, football intelligence. This uh, this kid could be, I mean, it could be, it could change any any team in, in the Premier League or in, in Spain if he continue this, uh, this uh, moment, if he continue being hungry, if he continue not just selling now, just wanting for more, being ambitious. And it looks like it's going to be like that. Today, once again, he was one of the key players. I think for me, in this World Cup is one of the most important players for, for England. Um, today, Southgate, in the moment that the, the game was under control, he just uh, pulled him off and tried to give him a little bit of rest because he know how important he is to, to keep him fit. So, yeah, it could be outstanding in, in both leagues. Uh, in La Liga, because physically he's so strong, you can see how much uh, grass he can cover. And arriving from second line is so important because uh, you know that if you play for Real Madrid, for Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, the top teams, you're going to face against teams that they are very well organized and disciplined at the back. So you know that you need these kind of players who arrive in second line. That's why Valverde now is, is starting getting considered one of the best midfielders because that approach, that that uh, different style of bringing things from outside the box, shooting, uh, arriving from second line. And in Premier League, because that rhythm of the competition, the Premier is go. He's capable of, uh, of handling it. So, yeah, uh, all the best for the for the all the teams. Because definitely the price is gonna get, uh, be flying high uh, from mm-hmm. now on, and the, the one is getting is gonna have one of a cracker player in the midfield. Yeah, really good question by Nigel. And uh, as much as it pains me as a Villa fan to be praising a former Birmingham City mm-hmm. guy, you know, Bellingham is definitely one of the best uh, midfielders in the game at this moment in time, certainly based on form as well. Uh, I'm really, really looking forward to the quarterfinal matchup between France and England because 
of the fact that it will bring Chiuameni up against Bellingham, sort of a battle of two of the really promising young midfielders who, you know, look like, uh, you know, they're going to be two of the the absolute best, if not the two best uh, for the, at least the next decade. Uh, I'm with Nigel. I actually would like to see him, uh, you know, go to La Liga and not just because of what he continues to do on the pitch. I think for English players to have, you know, one of the, the nation's leading talents plying their trade abroad in the future, I think will be really important because I think it's, uh, you know, it's a link that these players need to keep open. I mean, that Bundesliga, that Premier League to Bundesliga link has been really important with guys like Sancho, uh, with guys like Bellingham. And I, I'd like to see that continue because I've always felt that one thing that really held England back uh, in the past has been sort of the lack of culture aspect of it. There's been so many great players who I feel really could have thrived playing in a different type of football. And I think as long as you've got somebody of very high profile like Bellingham out there playing in a league that's not the Premier League, there will be English players, young English players, willing to go abroad, willing to take those risks and therefore, uh, you know, uncovering their talent instead of, you know, sort of staying at a club where they're not as high up the pecking order and therefore don't get to tap into their talent uh, as regularly. Listen, it's a great question, Nigel, and probably the best question you've ever asked. It might be the longest question ever asked on the show, but it was a good one. I think Jude Bellingham is in a great league right now for his development. He's clearly getting minutes at a high level. He's getting to play Champions League football. And by the time he's finished with the Bundesliga, I would imagine it'll be the summer. I can't imagine him making a move in this January unless someone offers ridiculous money. You, you, we're talking 100 games for him in the Bundesliga. He does have, what, 76 games right now. I think he's got seven goals, 13 assists. And you can see the way he performs for England. In many ways, it reminds me of, and maybe Lucho, you can touch upon this in just a moment, as a Steven Gerrard. Now, there are qualities of his game that can improve as we touched upon, he has the ability to get more involved in the box, to get more goals, to get more assists. Um, I just love his uh, mentality in the middle of the field. We know he's got a brain. He has a great football and IQ. Where to be, when to be. When to push forward, when to sit. When to fight, when to come back. It's just his brain. His football brain is just really on the next level for such a young kid. And I believe that not only the championship where he did play at a very young age for Birmingham City. I know, JJ, you love the Blues. Um, but I think that the Bundesliga has really been the perfect development for him now where do I want him to go would be the question now you think maybe La Liga would be the best fit now I'm thinking for the Champions League yes but if I'm thinking for domestic football the Premier League makes most sense for us to get the best out of Jude Bellingham because then he's being tested every single week every single game where I can't promise that that will happen in La Liga. Lucho, I'm, I'm really going to come to you on this one. I know Nigel wants to jump in here, but I would say that Liverpool would be a great move for him because he's going to help that club move forward. He's obviously going to the Premier League where he's going to test himself and he's playing pretty much European football and Champions League every single year. Lucho, thoughts on that? Yeah, of course. Of course, it will be a fantastic. You know how much is needed a player in the midfield for, for Liverpool at the moment with all the injuries that happen. A player who can give you that box-to-box -box situation. You were talking about Steven Gerrard and, of course, to everybody reminds him a little bit of Stevie because because that is strength that he's got. You could, you could, we could see him today, not much because Senegal didn't put a, a, to really a test uh, on, on defense, but he, he tracks backs every single time. He goes forward, he's, he's going in the, right, in the right side, he's going to the left side. He can appear in everywhere else, anywhere on the, on, the, on the field. And much more, you can play him in many different positions. And that's something very important because I'm sure that he can handle the situation of being a stick as a, as a holding midfielder. Let him the freedom uh, as a winger. Uh, if you allow him to play as a, as, as a Muller for, for uh, 
Bayern Munich or for the uh, national team, that role of playmaker that he can arrive and go down and arrive in second line because he's got that strength physically. So, yeah, I think that it will be a fantastic fit for Liverpool and we'll see what happens because I've seen a fantastic connection today with Henderson in that celebration. Mm-hmm. I agree with you in quickly and I just think I'm going to jump and join with JJ. I'm with JJ. I think for, us, for England to really develop, to get to that next level, they need more players playing outside of England in the Premier League. And when you look at the clubs, if you do go to a Real Madrid, let's be honest, Real Madrid is the biggest club in world football. Mm-hmm. You're going to get La Liga football. Yes, it's a bit more different technical aspect of it, but you're going to be competing in the Champions League, which is what he wants. Yes, he's going to play against top players in the Premier League, but we can't act like the Premier League has the best technical and most talented players. I don't think so. I think the Premier League does have a tremendous amount of athletes. It's very high tempo, high endurance, but we can't look down upon all these other leagues. You only have to look at these teams now performing in Tony, the Champions Tony League. Tony Cruz is a, is a great example of that one, right? Going to Real and that, Madrid that's, and that's my point. And being the and I think for his development, for what he will get and gain and bring to England, it's more beneficial going there because I just know what it's like playing in England and so do you. Going back there, he goes for big money to Liverpool. He's not performing or playing well. It's not all things he can control. The press is going to get on him. He needs to lose his place in England. No, he can go and play with freedom and relax at Real Madrid. He's young. He's hungry. He's not going to lose that. What you see in him is his character. I just think it's going to benefit England more going over there in JJ's point of just learning a different culture, different aspect. Probably more chance of lifting trophies as well if you do go to a Real Madrid than you would if you go to Liverpool. Sorry, Lucho, to throw that oh, one in. We'll see, we'll see, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> JJ, let's uh, turn attention to Senegal. It was tough for Senegal. They lost money before a ball was even kicked in this tournament. They did very well. I mean, they caught our attention. Um, they did score five goals in the group stages. It wasn't their best performance today, but they can leave this tournament with their heads held very high indeed. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they really did themselves a credit, obviously, African uh, champions. So, you know, we knew that we could expect a a certain level of performance from them. And we, you know, we got it in the end. I mean, I think they'll be disappointed uh, with that opening defeat to to the Netherlands, but relatively satisfied with the rest of their their tournament. I mean, you know, things could go a different way uh, at the beginning of the game against England. I think, you know, had England not made the breakthrough and it it had been goalless at half time, you know, maybe it would have been a bit more difficult. I still think that they suffered for that lack, not just of of Sadio Mane up top, uh, you know, what he brings on the pitch, what he brings off of it as well. Uh, because I think without him, you don't have that you know, regular, consistent goal-scoring threat in attack. I'm a fan of Bull Idea, uh, you know, from his days in Liga and what he did with Villarreal and those with Salernitana as well. He's just not going to be scoring those goals that you need him to. We saw him miss a chance today against England. Uh, and I think ultimately, you know, they they paid the price for sort of missing out on some of that quality that obviously Mane brings. I do think, you know, Aliou Cisse once again has put another feather in his cap, in his managerial Absolutely. cap. I'm wondering, you know, how long it is before European clubs, whether it's in France, maybe even in uh, in England, start to look at him and try, try and bring him over. We know that he has a, a Premier League past, uh, had, uh, you know, a, a distinguished career in Nigan as well. I think he's somebody who, to me, now seems primed perhaps for, for club management. I know that he is, uh, you know, he is essentially, uh, you know, the face of Senegalese football outside of uh, Mane but uh, you know I do think that he's proven himself uh, capable now of potentially going on to to the club game but yeah I mean overall disappointment on the day for Senegal but I think that they will be you know happy that they managed to to get out of the group when when they were looking at it they were sort of considered to be sort of on the same level as Ecuador and that one you know could have gone either way when they were playing each other in the group. 
Yeah, well said, JJ, and uh, applaud the way Senegalese went after this one. Really interesting. Nigel, before we go to break, I want to get your thoughts on this one. Norahim Sterling, he missed out into this game due to a family matter. It doesn't sound promising. Um, we don't have confirmed rumors as to exactly what happened, but there has been some sort of rumors flying around on social media that his house might have gone through a robbery and his family might have been present. But this is really unfortunate, especially going into such a big game, especially for Raheem Sterling. Yeah, it's tough, man. Um, I think for a lot of the fans watching, this is what happens in England a lot. You know, it's not the first time it's happened to a professional player. Their targets and their family are targets and there are criminal gangs. These ain't just regular day-to-day. These are criminal gangs, organisations who will target footballers when they're away and break into family. It can be very terrifying. It can really put a lot, not just on the family, but also on the player where you start thinking about other things. And this is when football does take a backseat. So we hope all his family members are well, if that's the case, the story that, that's actually out there circulating. And uh, we hope he can be okay. I think this is when football needs to take a backseat and just worry about your family. Yeah, regardless of what the situation is, we wish him and also Ben White all the very best uh, with whatever family matters they're going through. All right, it's time for us to take a quick break. More from us when we do come back. We finally get into France. JJ will be happy where Mbappe once again completely stole the show. You're watching House of Champions. Be right back. Well, don't stop watching the world's best soccer stream every match of the UEFA Champions League live on Paramount+. Plus. It's soccer's ultimate annual competition, not for country, but for clubs. Sign up today for 50% off an entire year using the code ALLYEAR at ParamountPlus.com slash sports. Welcome back. You're watching House of Champions. It's Ian Joy with Nigel Rio Coker, Luis Garcia, and Jonathan Johnson. JJ, I'm coming to you first because France got the all-important victory against Poland. Uh, they made it look relatively easy in this game. Olivier Giroud getting a milestone goal, killing Mbappe, stealing the show as far as I am concerned with two cracking finishes where it didn't seem like it was his game However, he did steal the headlines at the end and Lewandowski got a second World Cup goal before Poland bowed out of this competition. Uh, first things first, not the best performance from France. Um, Poland certainly didn't cause enough problems for them and certainly didn't have the quality to really cause the problems against the French side. Yeah, I mean, they, they say sometimes the you know, one of the telltale signs of a really great player is being able to sort of go that extra mile at the end of game, sort of 75 minute mark and really being able to give the best of yourself and produce two moments of magic like Mbappe did here. Because I looked at him after about 65 minutes, 70 minutes before he you know scored the first of his two goals and did look at it a little bit tired. I thought I worried for him at a moment that he picked up uh, an injury when he was making a run. But, uh, you know, I still think, I mean, there's so many thing, different things to take away from this. I'll try to be as brief as possible. Still think that France have some vulnerabilities. They've conceded in every goal so far this World Cup. I still think that their midfield is quite fragile. Rabiot and Chumeni have done a fantastic job so far. Uh, and I love the way that Deschamps has rediscovered, uh, you know, the, this you know, rejuvenated Griezmann. I don't think many people thought that they'd see the Griezmann of 2018, but suddenly he's back, uh, you know, doing what we haven't seen him do, uh, you know, for, for many a year now. I think that's really encouraging. Uh, and I think overall, you know, France... They have a big thank you for for Hugo Lloris as well for that save that he made from Zielinski and then a bit of uh, last-ditch defending to keep Poland out. And at that moment, I feel that's when the game changed. Lloris makes that save. I think Teo Hernandez uh, gets a block in on the line and then suddenly France go up the other end two minutes later, score the opener through Giroud. Poland weren't in the game in the second half, really. Uh, You know, it was a question of when France would score the second, not if they would. Uh, And, you know, it was just, you know, made for Mbappé really to, to write the headlines about him Big once time. again. Uh, but I think the the thing that is, 
you know, most encouraging for France at this moment in time is the fact that you've got this togetherness. Uh, you know, the the sort of ego trip that Mbappe was on during the Euros seems to be in the past. He had a really difficult relationship with Giroud during that tournament. There's absolutely none of that now. They look like they're getting on really well and that chemistry is suddenly flowing. I mean, if I had to pick out a few players to really praise, aside from Giroud and Mbappe, definitely Loris, uh, Rabiot, Hernandez and, uh, and Griezmann. Absolutely. Definitely, and there's some people happy because he unpredicted both teams to score, so that's great to know. <laughs> Listen, guys, to be honest, um, I think that this French team, they was uh, just cruising. I mean, they they pushed uh, higher or stronger when they needed. They were just seeing how Poland was going to behave. Poland behaved the way that we were all expecting, just sitting on the bar, wait and see if we can uh, send some balls uh, to the players are from. Lewandowski was a little bit disappeared. Zielinski a couple of times, but not much. And at the end, it was about when Mbappé is going to score or when Dembélé is going to score or when Griezmann is going to score. And I'm totally with you, JJ. Griezmann is being outstanding once again. He's doing everything right. First touch, two touches, defending, attacking in midfield, assisting is everywhere where he has to be. And I think that's very important to understand that this is a player who was a key player in the previous tournament, a player who needed to show the, his uh, his uh, name every single time, that he struggled during the whole season at Atletico Madrid because he couldn't play for more than 30 minutes. And then uh, they, everything changed and he started feeling once again that player, the player we all know. He's just such a, an amazing player. I enjoyed today once again playing, even though that he wasn't very close to the box uh, many times. He was just understanding that his role is ne not anymore to try to assist, to get closer to the box because you go Mbappé, you go Giroud, you go Dembélé players who you know that if you bring the ball to them, they're going to do the job and you need to be where you have to be. Uh, stopping the counter-attack, having the ball, helping in the, on the build-up we've seen in dropping down and grabbing the ball and together with Rabiot, though, both, uh, both players have understood that those are the main players at the moment and for me, of course, Mbappé scoring goals and, and beating cash that I think that today was quite decent, even though the Mbappé in the first half was killing him every single time on 1v1. But I think that he did also a pretty good job trying to, to stop the player. But it was about time that Mbappé grabbed the ball and started scoring goals. So, yeah, top display. I think that we haven't seen yet the best of the best of this French team. And we'll see if they can manage to bring it up because they're going to need it. Man, I love you guys, man. I'm telling you, I really do love you guys. And for all the fans listening, this is top, top stuff you're getting because... Great minds think alike, as they say. I'm just going to make points, Ian. People use the word superstar way too easily these days. Mbappe is a superstar. That's what superstars do. The big stage, the big moments, they take it. And like JJ said, you did worry about his fitness, walking back at one point. But when that moment came, he took it. That is why Mbappe is considered a superstar. I said it before. He is the best player in the world football for me right now. There's no one that can do what he does in world football. He is the best player in world football. I agree with Lucho. We haven't seen the best of France. I think against England is when we're going to see the best of France. Because I think today's game, there's a bit of arrogance. And I say that because I've sat in with dressing rooms with French players. I know how they are and the mentality and what they think. Against England is when we're going to see the best of them. And for me, I know all the headlines is going to go to Mbappe. But for me, I was going to say just like Lucho and JJ, Griezmann, for me, was the man of the match. He was absolutely phenomenal. He's not playing the same form for Atletico Madrid, but for France, he is absolutely sensational. He was everywhere, like Lucho said. And that's what people need to pay attention to, because even at the start of the game, 
He was trying to set the tempo. He was trying to close down, getting the ball in behind Poland's midfield, trying to get things going. He is vital to this French team now because he's on form. I think they've got an okay midfield. Well, I think no, I think they've got a great midfield. I'm a big Chuamini fan. And I think that like what JJ said before the break, and JJ's laughing at my pronunciation, you poor bag. <laughs> Chuamini. It's <laughs> great. Uh, on, honestly, Andriel. you improve every time. Well done. Unreal. Unreal. <laughs> Chuamini. Anyway, I and think Nabil. for me, again, he's one of the best midfielders in the world. And for him to go against Declan Rice is something that the world would want to see now. That is going to be a great midfield battle. And I think France versus England is going to be an absolute amazing game. A couple of stats for you here from Kylian Mbappe. He scored five goals in four games at the 22 World Cup, already surpassing his goal tally from the previous appearance in 2018, where he got four, four goals in seven games on their way to lifting the trophy at 23 years age and 349 days of age. Oh, sorry about that. Kylian Mbappe is the youngest player to reach five knockout stage goals at the World Cup since Pele in 1958, who was 17 years and 249 days. What an absolute superstar. And actually, when I, you know, literally, you touched upon it there with uh, Cash, Mari Cash, his performance against him. Oh. Uh, many times watching that game, I thought, wow, he's done well here, Mari Cash, just to even keep up with him. And then all of a sudden, he goes past you like you're not even there. And I felt sorry for Mati Cash. I remember one time, and I can only put myself in this position, being a fullback when you're playing against some great players who just are on their game. I remember one time playing against Lucas Podolski. Hmm. For fuck's sake, man, this guy turned <laughs> inside out for about 45 minutes. And Mari Cash today was looking for help from anywhere he could possibly get it. Not speaking the language, just like, just like, Hi, someone, please help me. I remember, I've been in that position. I remember Podolski turning me inside out and just looking at my teammates in there saying like, you're on your own with that lad there. Good luck with that. Yeah, but that, that's something that, that, that they should happen today. I mean, you know that he's one of the best players on 1v1. He's one of the fastest. He's one of the more, of the most effective when he's inside the box. Why, when he was grabbing the ball, um, and th that's the first thing that's a Maya you need to think who are the main strength of this uh, uh, French side? Mbappe on one side and Dembele. Every single time that one of those players, they, you have to try and do a two be one situation with them. Every single time, trying to not allow them to be one on one with any kind of player. And Kaz was many times uh, alone against him. What are you going to do? Of course, uh, uh, on speed, maybe you can try to do, or if he's close enough, you can put your body against him and try to stop him. But in the moment that there is go two meters, you're done. I mean, there is no chance. There is no play on uh, on these no. days that can no stop him. And no, no one. one. I mean, no one. And if you give him two meters to face you, you are done. So I don't know why there was no more help, nor a back camp. Um, I'll tell you why, Lucho. Because Kamil Glick looked like he's put on about 25 pounds and he was too slow in getting over there to <laughs> help him. Really cash. He, he was like a truck trying to get yeah. over there and blown out of his arse, man. Listen, it was just a fantastic performance, individually outstanding. Uh, before we get on to our predictions here, JJ, I just want to touch to you on real quickly this amazing achievement from Olivier Giroud's 52nd goal for the French national team overtaking Thierry Henry. Just real quickly, your thoughts on him. I mean, this is a, a fantastic achievement for him. It is a fantastic achievement, but I think if you could pick somebody who is deserving of that kind of achievement, you'd probably go for somebody like Giroud. Always puts himself at the service of the team. You know, get obviously get, gets goals, knows knows how to put the ball in the back of the net, but that's not all that his game is about. And I think the fact that he's come back from, you know, adversity kind of dropping out of favor under Deschamps, you know, sort of 18 months ago to come and play a part here, you know, really sticking it in some of his critics' faces, you know, that he's able to score goals 
uh, in a World Cup after he didn't score at all during the 2018 success. Uh, you know, I think uh, somebody, I think it was Wenger who said the other day, you know, he absolutely wasn't given anything uh, in his career. So we should all be bowing down in front of what Olivier Giroud has uh, achieved. I agree with that, you know, because I, I think that everything that Giroud has uh, you know, both for club and country in this fantastic career that he's had. Uh, you know, he's had to work extremely hard for it. Olivier Giroud, at 36 years old in 65 days, has become the oldest goal scorer in the knockout stages of a World Cup since Roger Miller did it in 1990 round of 16 game against Colombia. He was 38 years old, and that is 10 years younger than Nigel Rio Coker. All right, let's get your predictions real quickly around the horn. It's France against England. Looking forward to that one in the quarterfinal. Lucha, I'll start with you then, JJ, and then Nigel. Yeah. Uh, quick comment, quick prediction on what Damn you think man. will be an st- outstanding game, Lucho. Oh, amazing game. Uh, again, we could see this on the final and that's why we are enjoying so much this World Cup because these games are going to come fast. I think I'm fast and England-France, oh my God, I don't know. Uh, England looked very good today, very solid, attractive uh, going forward. It's going to be enough to play against this front side then in contact are very dangerous. So they, we, they, I think they, they were not tested. So if I have to go for one, even though that both teams could go through, I'm going to go for France because of that speed that they got up front. I wow. think having Mbappé in, one, in your side, having Mbappé in your side, I think that's something different. That's something that um, on these days, very difficult to have. I know that England's got Shaka on um, one side. This go today falling. It was fantastic. They got... Sterling, maybe or Grealish, that they could also join them. But I think that at the moment, Mbappe and uh, Dembele in one else of each side, I think it's just too much uh, to handle. And I'm going to go for yeah. France in this one. Why are you yeah, wowing go- Ian? <laughs> Sorry, guys. I just want to know why Ian's wowing because because Lucho went for France. Well, are you surprised? He's a scouser and he's going for France. <laughs> I'm trying to think with my head, not with my my with my heart. Yeah. <laughs> JJ, go. All right. Well, we, I I already picked these out uh, before any of the knockout phase games got played, and I'm going to stick with my prediction. I went for a two-one France win. I don't know if that will need extra time or not, but I feel this one feels like a final before the final to me, given the quality of the two teams. Uh, you know, I do think that it has the potential to go all the way i hope it doesn't go to penalties not sure my heart would be able to stand that but uh, i do have france shading it by a goal so i'll stick with that go with uh go with 2-1 but uh you know i do think that france will have to put in their most complete performance i agree with lucho that at times that they have been cruising you know it's finally time that we see them step it up a gear and we saw it at the world cup in 2018 when they came came up against argentina perhaps we will see that here uh, against england but uh, i've got uh, them winning to i've got france winning 2-1 uh, and i actually have argentina beating netherlands by the same score as well yeah for me um i'm going to go for a french win and the reason why i'm saying that is i've been in dressing rooms i know what it's like to be an englishman in dressing rooms with foreign players in there all foreign players hate the English. They hate the English press. They hate the English arrogance. You've got to think about the mindset about this, Ian. Mbappe now can stuff the Premier League to say, I'm one of the best players in the world. And he can show it against England's best. Oliver Giroud is going to want to score against England for playing it for, obviously, Chelsea and Arsenal. There's going to be that vendetta. And I'm sure JJ can add more to this. The French players have always hated and despised the English players because they feel English players are arrogant, they're overrated, and they're not as good as they think. The mentality of the French players for this game is going to be completely different. The French will not want to lose to the English. And my final point is Dembele, Mbappe, and Giroud. Three absolute different makers who can win a goal 
and make and win a game by themselves. That's the main difference I see. Yeah, difference makers. That's what's going to be about England against France. Looking forward to that game. It certainly is a mouthwatering fixture. We can't break to wait to break it all down for you on House of Champions. All right, let's have a quick preview of Monday's fixtures coming up. We begin with Brazil against South Korea. Neymar, big question mark. Nigel, if he's fit, he's probably going to start this game. What can we expect from South Korea and Brazil? Your thoughts? I think it's just going to be the same approach from South Korea. I think there's great belief there. They're going to have great support. Uh, they're going to respect Brazil tremendously. They're going to be difficult to beat. But like I always say, you can always set a team very well structured defensively, very well organized, great shape. If they've got that threat to bro break with pace and with quality, which South Korea do, they can cause you problems. So it is going to be a very, very good game. Um, if Neymar gets to play again, I think for me, he's one of the world players that's a difference maker, you know, because now most teams set up so well tactically it's hard for players to break down and it's that individual star quality. It's that individual personality that a team has that's the difference maker. And that's what Neymar is for this Brazil side. Uh, it's going to be tight, but I can still see Brazil's quality just being too much uh, for South Korea. And I'd say a Brazil win. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because a couple of days ago, I'd have said that this would probably be more, one of the more one-sided games in this knockout phase. And then suddenly with everything that's happened the last couple of days, you start to wonder a little bit, you know, wonder what, uh, you know, Brazil are going to be going into this game like mentally. They've just lost a couple of players. You know, Gabriel Jesus, I think he's got to go and have surgery now, which obviously is hugely unfortunate, not just for the Brazilian national team in the remainder of the World Cup, but uh, Arsenal as well and, and his role with them so far this season. I don't have any doubt that I think Brazil will get past Korea here. Uh, I just think it'll be tighter than than we first thought. Uh, I can see Korea, you know, having a good go of it. I think they'll feel really, really happy with the the showing that they put in to get themselves out of the group stage. But ultimately, I think Brazil's quality will tell. Uh, I really, really feel that this has the potential to be a risk for for Chich if he puts Neymar on the pitch and Neymar's not fully fit and, yeah. you know, Neymar takes another knock or something like that, because you can guarantee that the Korean players will be targeting him, knowing that he's just coming back from injury, having only played one game so far. So, you know, I think, I, I guess it would be a note of caution, uh, you know, for, for Chich, because I felt coming into the tournament that Brazil were one of the favourites, but there was something that might trip them up in the tournament. It seems like that thing that might trip them up is the injuries, non-availability. And if they were to lose Neymar for another couple of games... I have a hard time seeing Brazil going all the way to the final, which I was more confident about before the tournament. To be honest, um, it's about quality and this is, uh, this squad is full of it. I mean, yes, the Gabriel Jesus is not going to be there. Richardson is the main uh, player up front. I mean, he's the one who started and he's the one who's been scoring the goal. So it's true that Gabriel Jesus is such an important player for Arsenal and, of course, for the uh, national team. But Richardson, he was the one uh, he was picked. And you got Rafinha, you got Anthony, you got so many players who have been issues that can make the difference. Rodrigo, if I continue thinking about players who can play up front, who can make the difference, and we were talking about Mbappé, we are talking about Dembélé as a different makers, and Brazil has got so many of them. Players who can uh, change uh, a game in one moment, in one uh, split of second, having a one v one, making an assist, and of course Neymar is the, the the playmaker of this team. And when he's on the field, everybody feels more uh, confident. But they have so many in front. They have so many players who can break the lines of uh, South Korea. And I know they are in contact. They can be very dangerous. But if this team allows Brazil to be dominant, to uh, um, um, make try to bring the, play, the the ball to the players up front and make what we were talking about, isolate the players and make them go 1v1. 
I have no doubt that Brazil will score two, even three goals. So let's see how it goes. Definitely, we, we have so many surprises in Korea. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Son, Kangin Lee, they are uh, in in good moment of confidence, having the ball, they can make the difference also up, up front. But I don't think that they got enough uh, up front to uh, change the, 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 the side of this team. So I'm going for Brazil to go through. Just to add to what Lucho said, he's right. And when you talk about uh, players and quality, Pedri's a player that came on the other day. A lot of people might not know about plays for Flamingo. That guy is phenomenal. Happy feet, very talented, but he gives Brazil the option to go direct if they want and to also go wide and get crosses in the box, which is not something we used to see him from Brazilian side, but it's just the adaptability of this Brazil squad. And you time me, right? 30 seconds in, right? That was all I needed to say. I think to be honest with you, you're all misunderstanding the the thought process when I say a quick preview from each game. Let's go on to Japan against Croatia. I'm giving you 30 seconds each. I know it's the House of Champions and you do whatever the fuck you want to do, but at the same time, I'd still like you to be appropriate. Uh, Japan against Croatia. Lucho, I'm starting with you. Massive game for Croatia. Um, I mean, what can we expect from them? We haven't really seen the best from Croatia and this is a good Japanese side, man. Very good Japanese side, and you're totally right. I think the Kramaric needs to bring the, the A game. That person needs to bring the A game. We didn't see them in the previous game. Uh, half of the field, you know that they we, they have so much uh, uh, um, uh, talent with Kovacic that it was impressive. I mean, I think he's been the, the best player of this Croatian team uh, during this tournament. And if they can bring that A game, I think currently we've seen it just for a while in today, two games ago. I can't remember against the, against who, but he was making the difference. So these kind of players for Petkovic to try to score the goals, I think they got just too much. Um, Japan is a very solid team, a very disciplined. Um, physically, they are very strong. But again, we go to talent. If they can make a start scoring the first goal, then is what they're going to have a chance. So let's see if they can manage to do that. Yeah, I agree with uh, with Lucho. I think that this one has the potential to be quite tight. I actually have it as the only one of my picks in the round of 16 going beyond 90 minutes. Uh, I have Croatia coming out on top in the end, either an extra time or penalties. But I definitely think that Japan have the quality to hurt Croatia if Croatia you know, are not up for this from the, from the very first moment. Croatia, to me, seem like a team that need to be poked in order to get the, the reaction from them. They need that motivation, a bit like they had with Canada when you had Herdman coming out saying that they were going to F them. You know, yeah. that seemed to light a fire under them. Uh, you know, and I think Croatia needs something similar to, to push them through this knockout phase. It wouldn't surprise me based on quality to see Croatia just scrape through. But, uh, you know, if, if Japan were to pull off an upset, which is definitely within their capabilities, I, I wouldn't be totally shocked. I'm going for Japan. I'm going for Japan because for me, I feel that athleticism will overpower Croatia in the end. Croatia, not the most athletic side. I'm not taking away from the quality, talented players they have individually, but we can't look like Japan don't have good technical players. I just think in the end, with all these games they've played, I have a feeling that Japan are going to cause an upset and I want chaos, just like Matt said. I'm going for Japan because of that for me. Yeah, very realistic with the way Japan are playing. And also, I must admit, you know, haven't been too impressed with the way Croatia have played in this game. They did have that good performance in the high-scoring game um, against Canada, but two zero zero games in the other group games, a bit disappointing. So we want to see a bit more from Croatia to see them get past Japan, but this will be an interesting watch. Uh, before we go, I want to get some final thoughts on you guys. There has been some interesting comments come up from Arsene Wenger, um, claiming that the team's um, focused you know on... You have not to take lose the first game. Other teams who have experience, they have results in the former tournaments like France, like England, they played like Brazil, 
They played well in the first game. And the teams as well, who were mentally ready, like Jürgen said, had the mindset to focus on competition and not on uh, political demonstrations. JJ, take away. Yeah, I mean, on uh, on Wenger, I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, obviously really disappointing, you know, given who Wenger was um, during his days as Arsenal coach to hear him sort of, you know, being like the the, the company man for, for FIFA, I think for many people is quite disappointing. I have seen suggestions that some of the quote was maybe taken out of context on Twitter. I haven't actually been able to watch the entire uh, exchange to know exactly sort of what was put to him and, and the rest of the response. But even so, you know, even in isolation, it still seems quite uh, quite quite disappointing to have uh, Wenger saying that, uh, that sort of thing. And it's very, uh, you know, you can sort of tell that, you know, FIFA have him, saying what they want him to say. Richard, what's your thoughts on that one from Arsene Wenger there? Yeah, the end, this is, 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 I mean, he's talking about political, he's getting again as, as well political because he's in favor of FIFA trying to, um, talking about FIFA and what they woke up and everything. I understand that at the end, everyone is trying to uh, think on their own side. He's trying to forget about what's happened before and what is going to happen after. And they are going to try to focus on the World Cup and just about football. Of course, we need to do that at the moment, but uh, we cannot forget what happened just before to arrive to this World Cup and it cannot be forgotten. Yep. Disappointing, like JJ said. All I'll have to add to that, Ian, is the fact of he says all these teams didn't do well because they were being too involved in the politics and politically motivated things. But the Dutch were politically outspoken and so were the English and they're in the quarterfinals. So what's he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true though right the Dutch made political statements so did the English so what's he talking about well, Louis, Louis van Gaal made political statements I don't know if the team necessarily made their statements but you absolutely heard the English I mean the English were all over it the media was all over it but we didn't really necessarily hear from the players there was a lot of questions thrown at the players they're still making a political statement with the taking the knee before kickoff so they are still making political statements while they're in Qatar so you're Listen, very very right Nigel Ian you know how everyone here knows that that dig there the biggest dig was at Germany that was that what that dig was, but he just didn't want to call out the Germans. That's what that was for. JJ, go for it. Yeah, I mean, this is taking us off in a tangent a little bit. I thought about it the other day and I wanted to put this question to Lucho. Now, we've had a couple of comments since the beginning of the World Cup about our following in India. Obviously, they're up at like 3, 4, 5 a.m. at the moment tuning into us. Now, Lucho, as somebody who played football in India in their career or before the end of your career, uh, I got to thinking, you know, the biggest sort of nations, uh, countries, uh, you know, that don't have any representation at the World Cup or haven't in our lifetime. And I wanted to know just a little bit about your experience of playing in India and what you think it would mean, you know, for them actually to get to the World Cup at some point, what we could expect from sort of having their fans, you know, have their voice. Because we see like a lot of Indian fans, you know, supporting teams like Argentina and Brazil. I read a couple of articles about how well supported they are over there. But if mm -hmm. India actually made it to the World Cup in their own right, what, in your opinion, would that do for the country and the development of the game there? Yeah, those uh, Argentina, Brazil are everywhere. Uh, you can see jerseys in celebration. Also, Portugal, Goa is one of their the main spots over there from Portugal. Um, they need to get closer to the to to the World Cup for the next generation. At the end, football is not the main um, sport right there, and they've been doing an amazing job from the government to try to bring football tools and capacities to to the young generation. They, they even back then, if you remember, to the World Cup under seventeen. They made uh, uh, the group of uh, the players move around to compete every part of the world to try to bring them. And after that, they 
couldn't manage to to bring together a strong team to to fight for the World Cup. But it's growing. It's growing there. The 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 league where I played, there were only eight teams. Now there's eleven teams. Uh, the the country is getting more involved in football. They go more places. The 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 kids can uh, can be allowed because normally you could go on the bus and see. Um, just the young lads players uh, playing cricket or different sports. Now you can see them playing football, and well, these kind of World Cups will bring something uh, to inspire them for, for them to want. There is a couple of players who almost have the chance. Uh, one of them play in Europe, so those kind of things needed to be done. One player coming to Europe, one player playing to the main leagues, so they they can, they can inspire to the young generations to want to play football. So it's it's getting there. Still a long way to go, but it's totally true, JJ. They are 1.3 billion people over there. They must be a, a Messi right there. They has to be. <laughs> they just need to give them the tools to develop. They needed to give them the tools to have the chance of competing. Yeah, competing in a World Cup certainly gives them motivation, but it's not as if they need motivation when it comes to sports, Lucho. They are very passionate. We can see that with the following that we have here on House of Champions. We appreciate your support as always, especially recognizing the time of evening it is when you're tuning in to House of Champions. So thanks to everybody out there. Great question, great answer as well from Lucho. Before we go, a little bit of fun here. Paris Hilton posting a U.S. men's national team comment. Uh, Nigel Rio Coca, you look very impressed with this uh, reaction from the U.S. soccer, or the men's soccer team, handle i mean this is an interesting response here pretty hot it's the, it's the stupidest thing ever this is why the rest of the world laughs at america and laughs at the american national team for saying soccer like this is just so stupid paris there's there's so many famous people around the world from all different countries you don't see their football federation posting them on their instagram it, it's not about celebrity and fame like coach your players to become this is just stupid I'm sorry, it's just stupid. I, I got would, my you, would you like one of those diamond-encrusted shirts, though, Nigel? Yeah, it's just stupid. She had to just bejazzle the shirt. She wouldn't even know how many players are on the pitch. And this is why people laugh at them. She wouldn't. You don't follow football. It's just for fame and following. That's the problem. Spend more time developing players. Hey, Paris, from uh, all of us here at House of Champions, we'd like to thank you for watching the show today, and we appreciate you <laughs> liking and subscribing. Um, from Nigel Rio Coker as well, we send our love. Boys, great stuff as always, man. I appreciate you. I appreciate the comments. Today was a great day for French football, for Olivier Giroud and Mbappe in particular. JJ, happy for you being out there in Paris. Uh, Nigel, of course, you with England. Uh, Lucha, we're looking forward to watching the Spanish team in action. Your Morocco hit actually was interesting on TikTok. It got well over 100,000 views, so the Moroccans are a big Big fan of you, Luis Garcia. Now, here's a look at our predictions uh, right now, the standings as they sit. I'm doing pretty well, Nigel. <laughs> doing pretty well. <laughs> Ian is bottom. This is why you don't listen to Ian. He is bottom. Did you not see what Vic commented on earlier on here? The Joy Boy predicting and Vic cashing in? Yeah, let Vic take a screenshot of this. <laughs> Does that mean your prediction was right after about 20 minutes in and someone had to cash out 70 minutes before the end of the game for it to be sometimes right? You, sometimes you just got to keep these uh, predictions close to your chest, JJ. Boys, thank you very much. I appreciate you all. Thanks to everybody out there for listening to I Was The Champions. Please take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Also available as videos so subscribe to us on YouTube. We're back at it again tomorrow at 4 p.m. Eastern. Looking forward to catching up with you then. Nigel, Lucho, and JJ, have a great evening. And to everybody else out there, have a wonderful evening, morning, or wherever you are. Enjoy the rest of your day.